This is a Main Hustle Media Podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Jackie O and you're listening to Militantly Mixed. Yo, this is Rashani from the Single Simulcast. And when I'm not making you laugh or making up parody songs, I'm kicking back listening to Militantly Mixed. I would like to acknowledge that the Militantly Mixed podcast is recorded on the traditional lands of the Chumash and the Tongva people, and I wish to pay my respects to the people of those nations, both past and present. Hey, y'all. Welcome to Militantly Mixed, the podcast about race and identity from the mixed race perspective. I am your host, Charmaine, a.k.a. Mixed Girl Maine, the busiest mixed race, bisexual, polyamorous, atheist, comic book nerd, cat mom, mask making, comic book store co-owning podcaster in this podcasting game. This is episode 105, and I only have a couple announcements, but I'm going to try not to be long-winded because y'all know that I can be, and um, I have something that I want to share with y'all anyway. So this week, I wanted to take a pause from a regular episode to discuss a major event here that is happening in the United States, the announcement of the vice presidential candidate for the Democratic Party, uh, Kamala Harris. Last week, when she was announced as the VP candidate, I basically shut off social media for the most part that first day because I knew that it was going to be less about her being a candidate or even a worthy candidate and more about what race do we get to consider her. Um, it's no secret that she is a mixed race woman, uh, that she is of mixed ethnicity that she is of Jamaican and Indian heritage. She has publicly been identified as a black woman or a mixed black woman or a mixed black South Asian woman. Um, But whenever she runs for office, whether it was here in the Senate in California or when she ran for president in 2016 or now being the vice presidential candidate for the Democratic Party, her race is more important than what she is capable of doing. And I didn't want to hear it. I didn't have the spoons for it last week. It was a very stressed out, a very stressful week for me last week personally. So I didn't want to take that on either. I did talk about it on a few podcasts from some of my friends shows and things like that. But predominantly, I tried to avoid it until today because I'm not going to avoid this conversation on Militantly Mixed. I just wanted to have it when I was prepared to have it. I didn't want to be blasted with it like I was on social media. So this weekend, the social distancing hangout, which meets every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific, they agreed that I could clip out a segment of our conversation in which we did discuss Kamala Harris's nomination and her racial identity as a group. I originally recorded something solo, but I didn't really want to only address it for myself. I know I talk a lot and that is why I created a platform in which I get to talk a lot. But this is a kind of topic that I really wanted other people's insight in to kind of process my own issues about the world dictating to us what race we get to identify with publicly. So I would like to shout out to all the people who participated in the social distancing hangout, regardless of whether or not you're about to hear their voices. Um, we have a really good group of people, mostly made up of regulars who have participated for the last few months. 
Uh, we get new people every every so often, and sometimes those new people become regulars. But the group that was there on Sunday had agreed to let me take out a segment of what our discussion was to share with y'all here. Um, so the voices you're going to hear are Jay, Mona Lisa, Teresa, Ivy, and Heather, and Mariana, and Danielle. Many of them you've heard their voices before because they've had episodes of Militantly Mixed, and some of them you're going to be hearing on Militantly Mixed soon. And some of them, I haven't talked to them about it yet, but it's available if they want it. So um, shout out to everybody who participated, even the voices that you don't hear, uh, because there were other people that spoke. But the segment that I cut out was was a very specific segment about the Kamala Harris uh, racial identity and multi-ethnicity. So that's what I'm going to share with you all today. Before I do that, though, just Got to go through the announcements. Um, Just a reminder from last week, uh, every third Thursday of the month from now until whenever, I'm going to be starting to do a live streaming panel discussion on some topic related to mixedness. And the first one is going to be this Thursday, August 20th at 5.30 p.m. Pacific time. Predominantly, I will always have one on the third Thursday of the month at 5.30 Pacific time because that is the time that I'm currently, uh, time zone that I'm currently in. That being said, I do have a lot of listeners from other countries and people who I associate with on a regular basis from other countries that I'm going to want to talk to on these panel discussions where 5 p.m. Pacific time is not going to work for them. So we will eventually do some for different times on different days and different time zones. Uh, But the one that you can kind of get used to always happening will be the third Thursday of every month. This first one is going to be with Liz, who you've heard before on Militantly Mixed, and her best friend, Aisha. Both of them are black, white, biracial women with opposite appearances. And we're going to be talking about, uh, well, we're going to talk about a bunch of things, but one of the topics we'll be covering will be about having a mixed race support system. It's something that I think would be a great way to kick off these panel discussions because we came all to militantly mix for support as mixed race people. And so what better way to kick off our panel discussions than to talk about having a mixed race support system? I'm really looking forward to it. And it is going to be available on our YouTube page, live streaming. While I can't post a link in the show notes for it right now, because this is going to air ahead of that being set up, keep an eye out on our social media on Thursday because that's where I'm going to post the links. So either on Twitter, Instagram at Militantly Mixed or Facebook.com slash Militantly Mixed or the Facebook private group. I'll put the link to the live stream in all of those places. And if you don't follow any of social media, but you do want to watch this, you can just go to the YouTube Militantly Mixed page and it'll be live streaming there. It'll be available after, of course, uh, just like the Decenter one from Je- July was. But uh, I would really love it if you all participated in the live stream because then you can ask us questions that we can answer right there on site. So this is the first one. We'll see how it goes. The following month, we'll do a different group with a different topic. And hopefully this becomes so routine that y'all are participating every time and it'll be dope. Um, okay, so that's announcement number one. Announcement number two, last week I also mentioned that I my new company, Gulf Coast Cosmos, had officially, I was coming out publicly to say that I was co-owning this comic book space. 
And on Saturday, August 15th, we launched our web store, our e-store. So you can go to gulfcoastcosmos.com to start buying all of your comic books, fan art, collectibles, apparel needs that are related to comic books and geekery. Uh, We are officially a diamond certified retailer, which means that we are eligible to sell Marvel and DC. But because we're a new shop, that that process takes a little bit. So we have been approved and we've done everything we're supposed to do. We're just waiting right now on the diamond side to actually provide us the books. So we launched the store with only black independently produced comic books, which I'm pretty excited about because one is really on brand for us because we are going to be a community-based store servicing predominantly black and brown community because of our location, but also because of who we are, my business partner and I, uh, Byron, we are very community immersed people. As you know, from Militantly Mixed, I'm all about supporting my mixed race community. Um, but also very heavily involved in our black communities. And I am really, and Byron as well, because we're, we wouldn't be teammates if we didn't have this shared vision. We really want to support independent creators. So we decided to go ahead and launch our store with exclusively independent creators at first. And then we were going to move on to the, the majors when they become available this fall. So if you went to our website right now, you can see Harriet Tumbit Demon Slayer, Nana, the Were Spider, and a whole bunch of other different comic books that are created by black and brown creators. And we are also going to be continuing meeting other creators, independent folks to uh, put their books on our websites as well. So you'll have to come back and check us pretty often because uh, what we have right now won't be the only things that we have in the coming weeks. Um, Also, if you are listening to the show and you are a mixed race comic book creator of some sort or you do fan art or you do something and you sell your wares, holla at your main because it may be something that would make sense for you to sell at Gulf Coast Cosmos. And I want to support independent creators, uh, especially in the mixed race community. So reach out to me if you have something like that, that you want to have supported through this community. Uh, So yeah, go check out golfcoastcosmos.com. I'll put a link in the show notes, but um, we're going to have, it's just awesome to go to the site and see all these black and brown created comics. It's amazing. Um, And I'm looking forward to all the other different comics that we get up as we meet new creators and things like that. It's uh, it's amazing. I'm really excited Um, and also excited for when I can physically get to into our space, uh, hopefully in Q2 of 2021, depending on the Rona, of course, uh, because that will be when I also have my physical studio space, which was all supposed to be open during August 2020, if not for the Rona. But now we'll be sometime in Q2 of 2021. All right. Those are the two big ones. Uh, Lastly, I guess before we get into today's episode, um, if you would like to support the show as low as a dollar to as high as anything you wish every month, you can go to patreon.com slash militantly mixed and there's different reward levels depending on what level you support the show at. I'm going to get some new swag up there soon. There's a few things that I want to create. Some of it I'm going to wait until next year when I'm settled and it's a little bit easier uh, for me to run it all from my shop. But from time to time, you're going to get little new swag that I haven't had up there just because you've been supporting me for so long. And then, of course, for people who come to me new, they'll have new options of things that they can they can get uh, through the Patreon. Uh, and if you don't want to support monthly, but you do want to support the show, you can go to paypal.me slash militantly mixed. 
and drop some coins in that tip jar there as well. So yeah, I know there's a lot going on in the world and I don't really like uh, bringing it up right now either between the Rona and the civil unrest and everything else that has been going on. Um, it's just been tough to even talk about that kind of stuff. But I also have had people come through tremendously to support me or to support the show during this time. So, you know, it is there to talk about. So I brought it up. Okay, let's move on from there. So this week, like I said, the social distancing hangout regulars allowed me to clip out this segment. And what I'm about to share with you is about 39 minutes of the conversation that we had. So we did have a longer conversation than this, but uh, where we come in is around the beginning of when I first asked the group their thoughts and feelings about the um, treatment of Kamala Harris's racial identity publicly. And then we get further into, there's actually parts in which it seems like it's all a seamless conversation, but I actually chunked out sections because I, I wanted this complete thing that you're about to hear right here. So I didn't share the whole thing, but I, I did share the part that I thought uh, was the most meaningful in terms of the greater conversation we were trying to have. So again, thank you to everybody who participated, whether you hear their voice or not. Uh, there was a lot of everybody contributed this week, and I, I really appreciate y'all. So yeah, um, it's a big deal still, unfortunately, every time a mixed race person achieves, uh, achieves a high level of attention for whatever it is, be it, um, you know, celebrity getting an award, a person ascending into a throne, <laughs> or, you know, or a vice presidential candidate. When it has to do with a mixed person, we have the added layer of trying to find the discussion about mixedness in there and not getting entirely lost when the rest of the world decides an identity for them. So I do think it's important to share. And I'm really glad that I had other mixed race people to talk to about this because it wouldn't have made sense for me to just talk about it myself. So without further ado, please join me in welcoming all of the cousins from the social distancing hangout to talk about Kamala Harris. So today I wanted to talk a little bit about, I wanted to see how y'all were feeling about this because we all knew it was going to happen the second that it was announced that Kamala Harris was going to be the VP running mate that we were going to get is uh, whether or not she's legally black. Um, you know, I mean, I talk about it all the time where I say like everybody's individual and identity is, is their identity. It is for us to tell others what, uh, our identity is. It's not for anybody else to be t putting it on us. And just like they did with Obama, they're doing it and have done it with Kamala as well. About whether or not she gets to be black, South Asian, black and South Asian, mixed, blah, 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 blah. Is she black because she's Jamaican? All those stupid things that we've been hearing. So I wanted to talk a little bit about it and just see like conversationally what everybody of feelings about it and how we're guarding ourselves against seeing stuff like that because even if we're not mixed the same way as Kamala, I can see us being very triggered and affected by seeing somebody question somebody else's mixedness. I have been ducking the internet on the day that they announced it. The second I saw that they announced it, I stayed off. <laughs> I stayed off of social media at first because I knew it was going to be kind of ugly. Um, I was expecting it. And it really was. By the time I dialed back in, the first article I saw was posted by a friend of mine and it said, Republicans are asking, is Kamala Harris legally black? 
Um, and that question being because of her father being Jamaican and because she is the child of immigrants, does she get to claim black meaning black American? And so I went into an explanation of what that means. I, I will start by saying that her identity is how she tells us it is. She never denies that she's mixed. She acknowledges both sides of her family. But I think like me, she's one of those people who grew up mostly immersed in black Americanness than the other stuff she's actually mixed with. And so in her identifying herself as, yeah, we don't have to talk about the politics of it. We're just talking about the racial identity part of it. The, uh, so I think like, like me, I, I am hierarchically mixed where I identify mostly black and then Japanese and then, you know, acknowledge that I'm mixed with white or whatever. But because I was immersed mostly around blackness, I do identify with blackness most often. So you may see me post that I'm a mixed black woman versus me saying I'm a mixed Asian woman or something like that. Usually there's another step that gets me to mention that part because that's not how I was brought up. I am, I believe Kamala is similar to that, although I haven't specifically heard her voice that. What are y'all's thoughts on, I guess, what's been going on in terms of whether or not even people get to be talking about this in the first place but since it's out there i think after hearing the news of course i was like hella excited because you know like especially in the fact you still get someone that's part asian in high office i'm like yo that's literally my mix like that's something for me to look up to but at the end of the day i do find like how does one racially identify or ethnically identify is really up to the individual and from all the things i heard from what she says, she does respect both sides of her. And like, I think to definitely agree about what you were saying, Maine, about how she is sort of like hierarchically grow up more as a black woman than necessarily a in-between or even an Asian woman. Right. And I understand the optics of it. I think what I've been hearing in my routes to the black community is like, does she count without like the politics aside, but like, how does she count? Like technically being Jamaican, that's not the same as like being black in their ears because they're like American black. And the fact you have somewhat of a place you could trot trust lineage to that isn't necessarily like a slave plantation, right? Um, So I've been sort of just, of course, excited still. The fact like we have a good shot, yeah, (laughs) but it's been so hard trying to wrap around the fact like why is this a debate whether or not people are saying she's black enough because this is like going back like because um, it literally doesn't matter about what her job is going to be her Mm -hmm. being mixed her being black her being south asian none of that really has anything to do with the office she is applying for Mm -hmm. um so yeah i i agree with you on that one yeah so i just listened uh, in uh, is the program on YouTube about a woman that she talked about politics and how the new the next elections can influence results. And she said she was black. And then I, I went to look after it and I, I saw that she mixed. Uh, but I remember you commented that on the pressure of when was Obama, he was never recognized as a black. He was just told by the media he was black because right. because he got elected, right? Right. So she always identifies as a black or this is the kind of, ooh, black's good, so let's promote it since now, so she's going to win or 
I don't know because it, we, I don't know her story. Well, so she she was a prosecutor here in yeah. California, in San Francisco area, and then she became our attorney general here in California, and then she became a senator. So her trajectory, at least here in California, as as I experienced her, was that the first time I heard about her, she was uh, a black prosecutor, and then. And then as she was being, um, as she achieved the uh, assist, uh, attorney general position, then that's the first time I ever heard that she was actually a mixed race woman. But mm-hmm. when she went into her, her run for the Senate, that's when it started to be a thing about, that's the first time I started hearing whether or not she was black or she was South Asian. Does she get to be, because mixed apparently is just too complicated for mm-hmm. anybody to understand that you can maneuver <laughs> your world as a mixed race person. So, so I would notice that similarly to Obama, if she was campaigning in a predominantly black part of California, she spoke with this Southern black accent, which is something that Obama does as well. Actually, it's something Bill Clinton does. And it's also something that Hillary Clinton does. So who cares? Um, But you know what I'm saying? Like when she was around predominantly black people here in California, she would adopt a black scent. And then when she was around predominantly white parts of California or Latinx parts of California, she would use her regular voice, which also codes black because because of, you know, her probably because of her identity. So just like me in the voice I'm using right now, this is the voice that I adapted when I started to get a job when I was 20, 21. And this is my we call it my Elliot Benson voice, because that's the name of the company that I was working at when I had to get out of my ghetto accent. That being said, if I'm around other people from similar neighborhoods, I slip into my black scent and it's not an inauthentic. That's my original accent it's just that i've been using this one for so long at this point that this is kind of the default i think that is the case with kamala as well because she went to howard university with here in the states as a historically black college and then she was also a member of a black sorority aka which is the oldest black sorority uh here in the united states as well so she's immersed in like black american identity but she is the child of a Jamaican immigrant. So what's complicated about her for non-Black or non-mixed people is that if she's Jamaican, how does she identify with Black people? So it's a difference if you're a Black American, is different when you were Black immigrant. Right. Because we have okay. a very like slavery is a part of our story it is also a part of the story of anybody in the caribbean but americans evidently don't understand that that's how black people got to this hemisphere (laughs) teresa i know you got something to say that last point that's an ongoing we all know that in the black community black communities diasporic who are together in the united states that's been an issue for decades and decades that there have been fault lines between I don't like to use ADOS because it's got all kind of baggage. There are fault lines between African-Americans whose lineage descended from the plantations in the U.S. and black people who, are Im- who come to this country voluntarily. For me, the fault line has been how if you came voluntarily, it's a different dynamic. It doesn't mean you didn't go through something in your homeland or the homeland of your ancestors where nobody's, you know. But what happens, and I've seen it a lot, we've all experienced it, we've all seen it, is from people throughout the diaspora who come here voluntarily to the U.S. and in in some of them, it varies widely, widely, widely. You can't really make any, um, you know, you can't just paint it with one brush, but 
there are on on all sides there are tensions there are african americans who have an attitude toward black immigrants not for any logical reason even it's just kind of reflexive and vice versa in group and so, you know, i have a lot of caribbean friends i lived in the caribbean for a while i have no caribbean ancestry that i know of but so i learned that's why i started and i have a lot of caribbean friends and they'd be like you know and i'm like I said, look, I get it. You didn't, you didn't move, your parents didn't move you here. Or your grandparents did not move you to this country to be in my category. Right. Let us be clear. When nobody is confused. You were, I just recently, one of my best friends is Jamaican, and she just recently taught me the term middle-class brown. Like, that's a term there. That's a term, that's a category. And I lived, in, I, mean, I, I didn't live in Jamaica. I've been to Jamaica as a tourist, but I was like, okay, girl, I described you. She said, yeah. So, you know, and she taught her daughter not to say black, I'm black growing up and all those kinds of things. And then in northern New Jersey, my kids went to high school with a lot of black kids from the Caribbean who literally would say, we were in a program called Conversations on Race with them. And I was in some of the mentoring programs at the high school. And they would say, if I say I'm black, I will be beaten when I go home. Mm. Point blank, period. So there's, there's always cultural and historical nuance, context, layers, levels that we don't, that we're not always aware of. Like, I don't know all those things in the, in the Indian community that Kamala is part of. I don't know all those things. I know a little bit about the Jamaica, you know, but, but I think it's important to acknowledge that there are those tensions. They have, they exist. They've existed for a long time. And I don't, I'm not a fan of um, criticizing or putting anybody down for their perspective, I just think there's a lot of work, like in every other area, just around racism, never mind sexism, gender, and all that, to share information with each other, to keep each other growing, because none of us knows everything. None of us can possibly know everything or appreciate the nuances. You know, we're all fluent in the nuances of our identities, our communities, our journeys, wherever little pieces and parts we come from, right? But like like you said, and I put a thing in there about code switching. I'm like, you talk about she code switch. Show me somebody who doesn't go. And a lot of people code switch unconsciously. Right. So my mother, first generation born Russian Jew from Minneapolis, raised us in Seattle. When she got around, when we would go to Minneapolis and she got around her family, I didn't recognize her voice. Mm. Right. But that was when I learned just sitting there and watching. It's subconscious. She would immediately much more Yiddish. Her body language changed. She's around her family. She's in the environment she grew up in. But it wasn't fake. It wasn't deliberate. It wasn't phony. It's just, you know, when you're around people who are multilingual, multicultural. Right. I think it's natural. Now, obviously, there's a layer with with politicians, public figures like when Obama does it, it just annoys the out of me. But um doesn't it doesn't with her because if I'm comparing those two, she grew up black. He didn't. Yeah. He didn't grow up with a single black anything, reference point, nothing. And it shows. And again, this is not a criticism. It's just an observation. So when he first came on the scene, me and other mixed people were like, yeah, but mm, okay. And but it's okay. But it's not organic. And it's still not organic. It's still not organic with it. But that's okay. I think what we gotta do is I'm my whole quest is for us to recognize and appreciate the diversity on all facets of identity. I know that's kind of global <laughs> for all people without always jumping to criticize, put others down who aren't like us. And it's human nature, I think, to do that. So I just wanted to say that. But yeah, she code switches. But if you're running for office, you better code switch too. Because I've been a political speech writer. So the language code switches, you know, you got the stump speech. And when you're talking to the union people, you get, you find the little 
internal linguistics and you throw those in your speech, right? So body language, cadence, you know, and then as mixed people, don't we all just grow up? Like we grew up like multilingual people mm-hmm. who code switch. I mean, you're around people who are actually speaking real Spanglish, like Puerto, Puerto Ricans right. who are fast with it. Yeah. I'm like, okay, wait, 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 wait. I understood half of what you said, <laughs> you know, <laughs> wait a minute, slow down. What? Can I get a subtitle? Right. But they, they're just, it's, and the same with Caribbean people. Right, like I had to learn when I lived there the patois, and the patois vary from country to country too. Mm-hmm. You know, so I I think it's all beautiful. But yeah, all these all these things, all these things. So I just wanted to say that. Uh, Mariana, and then uh, Mona Lisa. Yeah, I think the thing that would, well, first of all, just ag- agreeing with what people say about like, the different identities in the Black community. But one of the things that I think about immediately is how like white folks just jump to discrediting her in like whatever way or form. And I feel like that happened with Obama too. So it's basically like, I just remember Obama, there was this whole group of people who were basically like, he's not a resident of the United States where are his birth certificates. And then at the same time, like she doesn't get to qualify as a black person either, probably by some of those same critics. So she like get to be either thing. And it's basically all white folks who are not all white folks, but like, a good amount of people who are basically like, you don't get to count unless you're like this thing. And then when you're this thing, you don't count either. Right. So I there think- There are plenty of black folks doing it to her too. No, That's I don't true, know about yeah. the Indian community because I'm not in touch with the Indian community, but black people relentlessly identify and identity police all mixed people mm-hmm. relentlessly. Mm-hmm. I mean, right. and for, for better or for worse, that's just, again, a fact of life. But she, mm-hmm. and it's so funny because I was talking to one of my clients this morning, a young probably 35, 36 year old black man. And I'm running off at the mouth. He said, she's mixed. I know a lot of black people who didn't even know she was mixed. Mm-hmm. They said, oh, right. she's mixed. Right. I didn't know that. Right. <laughs> yeah. So there's that. And then also like the thing that I think about too, is that with both Obama and Kamala Harris, there's this upward, it seems like there's this kind of upward mobili- mobility available to like, um, and not for everybody. I wouldn't want to say that, but basically my like diasporic migrants, um, like children of diasporic migrants that might not be available to people who like who actually whose families have been here for generations, and I wonder if that's where some of this like tension comes from too. I mean, I don't know. I'm def- I, I've not lived that experience, but it's something that I think about. Right. With both of them, there is a tension about black elitistness. Yeah. Um, which I don't really like using that term. That idea of uh, the black elite because of their level of education and access and things like that end up calling into question their blackness. Like what Teresa said with Obama, you know, he was raised in, in um, well, where was he? Right? Indonesia, Hawaii, and Malaysia, or Hawaii, Indonesia. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then he he had like a a Malaysian um, stepdad Step-father. or something, and then or his white yeah. grandparents were the ones who raised him predominantly. Yeah. So in terms of like American blackness, no access whatsoever. He didn't no. become black really like on paper and to to answer uh danielle's question earlier he didn't really become black on paper until he was running for president maybe when he was running for congress in um in illinois but before that he was probably one of those mixed people who could just kind of be because he lived in brown places where he could just kind of like be whatever looks sort of like them and, and he's not ambiguous looking. Right. Um, he's not really, like, he could be many different things, but you're going to read him as black or very close to it physically. Right. Whereas, yeah. like, with Teresa and I both, 
although if you get us around, like if you get us side by side, black people are going to know we're black, but, and then also in, in how we speak around black folks, they're going to know we're black, but we both sit in ambiguity so that if we're in non-black places, then people don't know what the hell we are. The only time, and we, I know this because Tress and I've talked about it, but um, the, the only time that we get to feel uh, to a degree somewhat complete about what our, our faces matching our identity is when black people absorb us. Whereas like in Asia, like in my spaces, in Asian spaces, that's never going to happen, except for Filipinos, because I guess I look closer to them than I do Japanese, Um, (laughs) you know, but like that's never going to happen anywhere else. And Obama doesn't really have that experience. Um, He doesn't sit in that ambiguity. When he started to experience racial oppression in like at Harvard and, you know, I think he did some time at Columbia too and stuff like that. When he started to experience that, it was a shock to him because he didn't have that growing up. He wasn't living in those types of environments. Um, Kamala is a little bit different because she did grow up around American blackness, despite the fact that she has a Jamaican father, she grew up here in American blackness. So I think then this has come up in some of the people on the show as well that are black from other places, you come here and you have to adopt American blackness because Americans don't know how to distinguish blackness in any way, shape or form. And so she just became black. So like, honestly, I think that's a way of saying it. Like she just became black here. Well, or maybe she was already black. I mean, you know, think about that. She grew up in Oakland. Yeah, she went to Howard and she pledged AKA. I'm sorry, she's it's I one got of the black. Kind of like it's the black. I don't have trajectory. I don't have those bona fides. Like she, I mean, right. she grew up in Oakland. She went. She went to and graduated from you know the illustrious the Howard Mecca. University, <laughs> and she pledged and survived AKA. Which I'm sorry. You can't. Not easy. Yeah. So like And she, I don't think she was doing those things with an eye towards decades down the road. Right. I mean, you know. I think right. she's just being who she is. And, and I, I think, think you know, yeah. I think like uh, Oakland is one of those places where like if you're pardon the expression Oakland black, you come forward with a credential that no one needs any further explanation. Like in terms of the black community, if you're like, I'm from Oakland, you're like, Oh, you're that kind of black. Like I know what kind of black you are. Um, You know, that, that, that is a really, really hardcore thing. I think um, uh, Kamala in terms of her black credentials in blackness, American blackness, she's probably not going to struggle too much, even though there's going to be some black people who are going to call her out. She's going to just be it's going to be the asian side that's going to knock things crooked for her because people are going to like it like i've seen her walk around in um asari or come to an event in asari and stuff like that before and people are like why is she not being black well because she's got a you know she's got an indian mom at home she grew up in that too so like if she wants to showcase both of those sides at any direction she wants to do it yeah fucking do it like that's that's what we are like we live within in that kind of thing we 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 should be able to do both things i think with republican side and not in a i'm not trying to address the politics side but um from a republican perspective they really understand white black asian some kind of Mexican, because they're not going to give you a Latinx category. <laughs> they're going to understand Mexican. <laughs> um, and I think that's the problem that she presents that's different than what Obama presented. Because Obama, you could just, off his visual, be like, you're just Black, whatever, even though he doesn't culturally code that way. 
So she throws them for a loop because she, even though she does appear like a black woman, you put her in a sari and then you're like, oh, you know, like then the ambiguity pops up, right? So I think that's uh, I think that's why she is is really confusing for Republicans because they want to be able to just categorize her and they can't because she lives in ambiguity the way a lot of us do. Uh, Mona Lisa. So uh, to continue on the the talk about ambiguity, I think uh, from the standpoint of the press and the newspaper and the announcements and going down in history books, I think people of color is wants to celebrate whenever someone that looks like them achieves mm-hmm. something, whether it's you know political role or um, they become a princess, you know, <laughs> or they become a CEO or CFO of a company. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of these higher places, you know, people of color, we want to see people, uh, people look like us ascend, right? Right. And and I believe the it becomes very confusing when it's time to make announcement and print in paper, print in magazine, and announce on TV to explain. This person is the first blank because mm-hmm. the people want to say this, per- make it historical and important by saying this person is the first blank. Now, when someone is just both parents are white, both parents are black, both parents are Chinese, it's just easier to say this is the first black person, a first Chinese person, a first Puerto Rican person to yada, 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 right? Mm-hmm. But when you get to a point where it's a mixed person, then it becomes really confusing. You it's know, like, so strange yeah. that it is. I know it's it's strange to us because we live mm-hmm. in it, but like, why is this so hard to comprehend? The idea that you can be more than one thing. You know, like, can you say, can the press come out and say, okay, for instance, um, the young tennis player. Oh my gosh, she's has enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have, I have black and I have Japanese. Did they come out and tell and say, oh, this is the first Japanese dash black person or just first Japanese to win a tennis title or just black person to win tennis title? You know, like for American make- audiences, she was confusing because she was a black representative for Jap- mm-hmm. Japan. Yeah. For Japanese, she was black mm-hmm. because, again, since I come from this culture mixed what's that we don't do that um you know what I'm saying so like it's uh she would depending on where she was being talked about she was either just black or I guess specifically Haitian is she Haitian Haitian um uh she was just she was just Haitian or she was a Haitian representative for Japan, again, still ignoring the fact that she was an, a literal mixed person. It was mm-hmm. that it was because the black dominated anything else that she could be, whether mm-hmm. it was here or there. I don't know how she was received in other parts of the world. I, I want to believe that Haiti was like, yeah, she's Haitian. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like because that tends to happen in blackness is that they you just get absorbed on the black side. But I honestly don't know how the Haitians viewed her. Yeah. But and I, can I, and, and I feel like there isn't really a 
straight up formula on how to do this. Know. <laughs> you know, there isn't really a formula on how to, you know, announce that, oh, when, when there is a mixed person, how do we properly announce this announcement where it, you know, better represent this person's mix you know but i don't think this, we could just say you know, mix and let that person but then, but, then, but then it doesn't sound uh, the, the thing is it doesn't think it does it sound to other does it sound as effective when you said this is the mixed first mixed person to become this position versus oh this is the first black or first asian or first a right. like indian you know like if you say if you make the announcement on tv oh this is the first mixed yeah, yeah, person, like, is it, like, do people take them more seriously, or do they, you, no. you know? Yeah. So, uh, so you got a couple things to think about it, is just specifically in the U.S., um, a couple things, we, we all know this, so categories are still very, very much, especially if black is involved, mm -hmm. everything depends on whether black is involved in your mix, Right. everything, right. it dominates everything in American life not just in our lives and bodies and ancestry and DNA, but it, black dominates everything. You know that race actually means black in America. Race, everything right. is just black. Everything else is secondary, tertiary, whatever. Um, so the, and everything is, and the whole country here is built on the binary. Mm -hmm. The whole country is built on a black, white binary, black, white binary. All other groups exist on a periphery. Mm -hmm. Is it fair? No. Is it right? No. Is it just? Absolutely not. Is it true? Yes. And it has been for many, many centuries. So we got it's and it hasn't changed at all. Okay. So when we're so you're Mona Lisa was interesting is you're taught you're you're very wisely addressing the specter of public announcement, but if we all go through and share our individual stories of just our journeys and then all, other mixed people's journeys, right? There are similarities, there are differences, but you can't just say mixed, you know, right? You can't say mixed right now. You could compare this to Brazil, which did the opposite of us. They had, they got most of the African slaves in the transatlantic slave trade. So Brazil had a lot of black people and it was a lot of mixing, not all consensual, obviously, for many, many, many generations. So um, I visited, it was only a decade ago I was there, but what I was interested in was the woman who was our tour guide looked exactly like me. She had lived in the States for a while. She was Brazilian. She was great. And we were asking her about that. And she said they were just, this is 10 years ago. She said, she said, where we are racially in Brazil right now, and we were mostly in Bahia, which is the black parts. She said is where the U.S. was with black movements in the 70s. Mm. And she said, um, and then she explained, she said, I said, you got all these categories, right? She said, yes. And they're trying to, in some ways, retrofit back to more of a binary. And it's really hard mm. because they're, some of you might know better than I do. I was only there as a tourist, but you know, I've read about it, heard about it, met people, know people. They had like a hundred million categories, morena, mulato, da, 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 da. They did it all un unapologetically. That was just their culture. Unlike the U.S., which is still... Binary. So to talk about mix here, and then you have the reactions. There are people who believe to say mixed is, is denying blackness. Because mm -hmm. black, whatever mix you are, if you say mix or biracial, blackness it's is assumed. Blackness is assumed until you tell people otherwise, unless they're looking at you and they just don't see it. But I'm just right. sorry. But that just does that help, Mona Lisa? So mixed isn't yet a thing. But y'all, and by y'all I mean you, beautiful young people. <laughs> and the fact that, that now, because I had to grow up with it being, you know, different. 
but you, now there is, for the first time in U.S. history, a, a public, um, plural conversation, thanks to digital social media and your generation, um, it's different. You can say, I'm mixed, take it or leave it, da 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 I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, you know, conform to your whatever, but there was never, there were never groups of people in a, in a, in a gathered way ever, ever saying that this is brand new in U.S. history. This is spanking new. Nobody's used to it. So that's the work y'all are going to do. Elders like me really tried to pave the way in our own ways, but this is your work. And I'm very encouraged, inspired by all of you. I just wanted to say that. <laughs> uh, Danielle? So uh, I was, I didn't watch lots of media from U.S. She, how she positions about that, because for one side, um, if the media refer her as mixed for U.S. people, it's going to be confused. Right. But Brazilian media will get the translation of black as black, and in Brazil has categories, so she wouldn't be seen as a black woman. Mm. Com- completely in Brazil. Uh, maybe she's not gonna be read as black in, in a first in a first layer. Right. But Brazil is saying she's black. But I don't know if the candidate itself how she addresses herself despite well you said that she's immersed in blackness. Mm-hmm. But this she speaks about her mixedness and the the benefits that she gets. She discussed this subject but because the media put her as a black person, maybe you don't really address blackness entirely as it is. Because mm-hmm. Obama was a mixed as well, was, was a mixed candidate, and now we got another mixed candidate. Does it mean that uh, a, bla- a dark-skinned black person would never get to be a candidate? I mean, I don't know if she positions herself. On yeah. Didn't heard nothing about it. That's so, also a thing here. Where uh, Americans are afraid of dark skin, uh, well, I guess dark skin colorism is a problem ever, anywhere. But in terms of our candidates, uh, mixed people do tend to pave the way for the next step. It's a very strange thing that that keeps happening. That it's the mixed ones that end up being the the for the front runners versus the the monoracial dark skin. Well, in Brazil, mixed though, or light wait, skin, mixed or light skin. or light skin, correct? Yeah. But in Brazil, would she, would they look at her and code her as one of the various categories of mixed? Okay, so officially we got three. When I look to her, uh, I don't think in Brazil she would be the same category as a black woman, dark skinned black. Right. Because her possibility is pretty good. But um, I put myself, I, for me to measure this, I see myself, okay, if this woman goes in flip-flops and in a really poor, she go poor dress in flip-flops and she got splashed with some dirty water from the street, from a car. If she goes to a shop, this staff will let her in or not, will let her, they will ask her if she needs help or not. I don't think she would be let in a shop. Okay. So he's not com- completely, com- she don't have a, com- a completely pass, but if she, with the right clothes, with the right accessories, she gets an amazing huh. But if you're, if, you, if you're black, you, you could be wearing Armani. People are going to still uh, thought that you are a drug dealer or, or, you know. Damn. 
yeah, this is, it's, it's pretty common. In Brazil, it still is pretty common. So I think she has a sort of, a, she's a very in the middle. Yeah. I think. That's but she's well. addressed as a black person. But in Brazil, first time out, that's really black. Like black, I'm sorry. Dark skin and have the African feature. It's just, I mean, it's just the worst that can have, like, it's the worst. For Brazil, that, yeah. Especially being a woman. Mm. In Brazil. Wow. Heather? Um, right, yeah. Um, I'm not sure if this is really a too obvious point, but I mean, just as someone who's looking at this from, you know, from another country, um, it just seems to me, or it sounds to me like the, the struggle that we have between the way that white supremacy wants to classify us mm -hmm. and the way that we see ourselves mm -hmm. um, and the way that it wants to label us in whatever way it wants to label us. Um, to categorize us and make this sort of hierarchy of who's more acceptable and who's not so acceptable. Um, that, and that's on the one side. On the other side is us and us deciding for ourselves how we are going to identify ourselves and how we want to be as people navigating this system. Um, and just trying to keep hold of who we are as people, really, on, on the other side. So, so I, I hope that Kamala Harris gets to identify in whatever way she feels that she wants to identify rather than having someone else impose that upon her. Um, that, that's what I wanted to say, really. Yeah. I think she's going to do a mixed bag of the, cause she does address her, her multiraciality. She, she does, but I think there's going to be moments in which she's going to be like, I'm not going to address this. Like, I'm just going to do what I'm here to do, which is become vice president. Uh, and that's going to read as black. <laughs> Like, yeah. like that's gonna read as black as hell. I think um, if yeah. she if she does that. Yeah, but, um, I think it, yeah, and I think it was Toni Morrison who gave that the famous quote: "Is that you know having to deal with all this stuff? It's a distraction from from what we're out there really trying to do." Mm -hmm. um, yeah, right. so it's, so I think that. with Kamala, when she first, I don't know if y'all remember this, but when she ran for president mm -hmm. a couple of years ago, very first town hall meeting, very first question. First, one of the first questions a reporter asked her, white guy, was, I don't remember what the question was, but he started with, as the first black woman to run for I president of the United States, and she, there was a long pause, and I went, during the pause, I went, okay, here it comes, <laughs> and she said, and she responded, and she said, as a woman of color, and we were all went, okay, so that was a 30-second okey-dizzle. Got it? Got you, girl. Okay. She thought, of, she sat there and you watched her. She was like, okay. Because he said, as the first black woman, and that was one of the first questions in the first town hall meeting. And she deflected that. And she said, well, as a woman of color. And I went, okay. So, I mean, again, we're all parsing, parsing, parsing. Other thing, just real quick, and people, some people here have Caribbean backgrounds, ancestries. So in many parts of the Caribbean, the mix that she is is incredibly common. It is in fact way more common than a black-white mix, way more common than a black-white mix. So what's interesting is that doesn't track here the same way. Yeah, Their binary yeah. is different, but to be black in any kind of Asian in the Caribbean, it ain't even a thing. Right, like right. it's so common, it's not, right? It's like, Oh, okay, yeah, but it doesn't, it tracks different, because we don't know what to do with it in our little binary brains, because mm -hmm. our binary brains are this big, and she's outside that binary, right? Yeah. So that, I just wanted to say, give that context for the Caribbean part, that's a very common, any kind of Asian and Black is just an everyday thing. 
Right. Ivy, as our representative mixed South Asian, um, do you know within the community if like are you experiencing her as a South Asian woman or are you how how are you viewing? Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying you have to talk on behalf of all the South Asians. I'm saying like for you. <laughs> I mean, like from what I've seen, um, I've seen uh, I think I saw this article. Um, it's for I think it's what is it called? Brown Girl Magazine, that's the uh, mm-hmm. name of the company, and they were doing a thing talking about Kamala Harris. Um, so, I mean, I, I think they're mostly seeing it as, like, you know, it's good because there aren't really a lot of, like, South Asian people in politics um, that I know of. Uh, I'm sure there are, but um, and so it's good that, you know, it's a Black South Asian person. So I think they're, you know, seeing it as a good thing. Given everything that's going to be stacked against her specifically, that's not going to that wasn't going to be stacked against Obama as a male candidate. She's going to have to own the woman of color title um, heavier than I think and than and most other candidates because she like you know like that that very pregnant pause. Anything I say right now is going to either be read as angry black woman or democratically she goes for woman of color and then it you know but she took that pause i i forgot about that until until you mentioned it but she took that pause and i think that that probably will follow her throughout her any future candidacy as well um being representative of women of color versus specifically blackness or specifically south asianness i think will um i don't want to say make it easier i think it'll be more palatable which is the problem that we have as mixed people of whether or not we get to be palatable black or palatable Asian or palatable Latinx, you know what I'm saying? Um, and we all know what we mean when we say that. Can white people feel comfortable in a room with her? So I don't know. It's, um, but I'm really frustrated that it took less than 30 seconds of the announcement of her candidacy for this to be a problem. I fully expected it. Not naive. Fully expected it. Uh, very frustrated by it still in the same token. Um, But this was helpful. I appreciate hearing everybody's uh, view about it. Militantly Mix is a main hustle media podcast produced and hosted by me, Charmaine Fury. Music is by David Bogan, The One. You can follow us on social media on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Militantly Mixed. If you'd like to become a sponsor of Militantly Mixed, please go to patreon.com slash militantlymixed for monthly sponsorship or paypal.me slash militantlymixed for a one-time only donation. And if you like what you hear on Militantly Mixed, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to be your mixed-ass self. Main Hustle Media. Turn your side hustle into your main hustle.